0: Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, John. Welcome to Therapy for Dads podcast. How are you doing this morning or afternoon? Hey, yeah, after, afternoon for me. I'm I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing doing good. The the espresso has hit, <laughs> and feeling awake and alive and and ready to start talking. And um, <laughs> good. thanks for joining. And and, and uh, let us know the listeners where are you virtually dialing in from. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in
1: uh, Lincoln in England. So. Lincoln is um, in Lincolnshire, Shire, in Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire, um, in the East Midlands, so we're kind of like two or three hours away from London, um, so I'm in a little village outside of Lincoln even, so it's not even in Lincoln, um, kind of in the middle of nowhere, we're quite a rural county, lots of farming and agriculture, but uh, we're quite well known for a big cathedral, um, and we're also well known for um, our RAF camps, so our, our Air Force camps, so a lot of the uk's um kind of air force are based around here so we may hear planes go over in the background because there's always testing and things but um but yeah that's where i am over here Miles away. Okay, and it's okay. one twenty p.m. Just to let you all know, so you're up first early in the morning. And it's one twenty p.m. for me.
0: Yeah, one twenty. Yeah, it's five five twenty in the morning for for me over <laughs> here in Southern California. So yeah, it's been a, that's been a beautiful part of the doing this show is meeting men and fathers literally across the globe. And you know, John being from Lincolnshire, and and I think I, did I say that right, Lincolnshire. Yeah, you
1: did. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, and you said it's even a smaller. T- so how small is your little yes. like this village outside of that town? Yeah, so the town
1: has probably got about 120,000 people in the city. Um, It used to be very small. So I grew up here as well, and I moved away and came back. And when I moved away, there was about 50,000, 60,000 people in the city. Um, So it was very, very small, and it's grown a lot over the years with with sort of you know gentrification really and you know uni's growing and things like universities growing and things like that so it's just brought more people to the city but my actual village is probably i don't know two thousand people max i don't think it's much at all it's probably got a diameter of a couple of miles um you know i go running around the villages uh, and they all connect to each other locally so you know if i do a four mile run i can sort of touch on two three uh, villages within that so that's quite cool but yeah it's just really
0: nice lovely landscapes lovely very safe environments for, for everything really great schools it's good mm. And then you guys again are well known for the you said R E F it's REF. Oh, is yes. that was Royal, it Royal Air Force Royal, yeah. Royal Air Force, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So that's mm. that's your claim to fame. Little, sort of. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Sort yeah. of.
1: <laughs> yeah, we sort of um we, we kind of well known for different aircrafts and stuff. The uh, red arrows, you know, with the uh, with the uh, kind of stuff coming out the bottom, the red and blue and whatever you the, the air. Oh, sorry, I've got a I've got a postman at the door. Bear with me a minute oh (laughs) sorry about that i couldn't have timed that worse but you know what it was it was a coffee supply so it was more (laughs)
0: coffee so after all that you know we have got some more coffee coming that's good is it uh (laughs) was it an amazon postman or no it was a royal mail
1: postman this
0: time yeah uh, we do do get amazon we get all the other ones too but yeah this is royal mail so it's a royal mail okay yeah, yeah so we have mailman mail the Mail, Mailman, the man. yeah, yeah, mailman, the mailman, and then we get Amazon and everything else. So, but good, you got a supply of coffee there. What? <laughs> and we were actually talking just in the green room, you know, yeah. since it's, we're real, <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we're fancy over here. The green room pre-show, we were talking about coffee and is it the virtual? Is it the virtuoso? yeah little... no
1: that's so So, yeah normally i'd say yeah it's it's a package of Nespresso virtuo but this is actually something new i'm trying so i've got a little cafeteria for when i go into the factory for for work um and i needed some ground coffee and a guy <laughs> a guy put me onto a brand who are quite local actually they're from yorkshire a couple of couple of hours away and um, but they're called big dicks because the guy called the guy's called richard who starts it mm-hmm. um so I've got a mug, a free mug with my first order and it says, John loves big dicks on the side of it. So that's, okay, yeah,
0: that's, well, that's my delivery today. That's, that's good. <laughs> that's definitely good. I could see who they're marketing to, you know, that <laughs> teenager and all, all yeah. are most men is uh, that, that exact humor. So,
1: or I had know, to do it. I yeah. had to buy it. I had to.
0: You had to pull the trigger on that one, mm, right? That's the yeah. okay. I gotta get apparently, this. Apparently it's
1: really, really strong coffee though. It's intense. It's like okay. um one of their bags that I've bought is actually the strongest coffee in the world, they think. So
0: like strongest as far as caffeine or as in yeah, flavour so,
1: or so the content apparently is the highest ca- caffeine content before it gets silly before you get sort of ill from it kind of thing and, oh, wow. and apparently okay. it has a great robust taste as well so
0: okay we'll see well i guess that's good yeah i guess you have to have a review and see have <laughs> yeah to i'll let you know let me know is it uh... see if they
1: ship to the states <laughs> yeah
0: yeah at all Amazon may get it right And it'll show up They can do everything um, Is Amazon I don't know why We're talking about this But is Amazon Is prolific over there With you yeah, guys is, it, yeah. is here Okay, Huge
1: yeah I get. We get all sorts From Amazon every day It's still got Prime And stuff So yeah Everything's huge over here Massive You wow. can get anything You want the next day So yeah
0: Yeah it's it's kind of To me I fully don't Understand if I'm honest Because we get stuff too Like random things yeah. That you would think How is this How Where is this stored Stored yeah I literally was thinking This the other day Like where are they Storing this <laughs> like, I mean it's not it's not even related it's just yeah. night and in day difference. So like you guys just have this everywhere stocked, and i get it <laughs> yeah. in 24 hours <laughs> like yeah. it is like magic i don't mm. again i don't fully get it but that's amazon can you tell us a little bit about um you know your instagram and kind of what you do and and kind of how we met
1: so i run an instagram account called mh support for dads mental health support for dads um and i've run it for about two years um two and a half years and it's um was started when i was a new dad so i was uh Kind of a couple of months into being a dad, and I started it because uh, I wasn't so much struggling, so I wasn't in a journey where I needed support. But I knew people who were, and I was trying to support them, realizing I didn't really know how to help them, um, mm. and wanted to signpost them, wanted to give them options. So I went. I, it was on World Mental Health Day. Um, so it would have been 2018. And I remember looking at at Instagram, seeing all great, the, all these great mental health posts, you know, for, for men, for women, you know, children, all these great posts. And there was nothing really for dads there was a lot for like pregnant women there was a lot of resources out there for you know official sources for pregnancy maternity etc but there was nothing that was just supportive or guidance or tips or how to father you know how to do things so that sort of kind of both uh, made me feel quite sad but also kind of given give, gave me a bit of a uh, kind of uh, it pumped me up to do something so i was kind of like right okay I'll start a page um, and I'll find the, the resources. So I'll go out and do a load of Googling and just find lots of things that are out there and I'll post them on my Instagram and I'll push this out and I'll connect with all the right people to help me get these messages out there. So that's how it started. And then about six months down the line, um, I hit a bit of a wall with it and it, it was just very sort of um, very sort of standard, very sort of... Um, The messaging was quite colloquial. Um, There wasn't really much more I could do than what I'd already signposted. So I thought, well, and actually around that time, I was having a little bit of a bad time myself, you know, kind of five, six months in, you know, you start to your child starts to change quite a lot. And there's a lot of change going on. And uh, I was having a really bad day with my own mental health. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to post about it and I'm going to explain Mm. it and I'm going to put a face to this account because it was completely faceless until then. Uh, So Mm. I introduced myself to the account and it just blew up and it went crazy and what I found about that was that really the anonymity of it was not connecting with people, it was just seen as another sign, you know, it wasn't really um, real. So Mm. Yeah, I started to talk more on, my, on the account, I started to do lives, I started to connect. And because of that, lots of opportunities came to connect with some great people who were doing some great work in the UK around government legislation, around uh, lobbying parliament for more equality of maternity and antenatal rights and all that kind of thing for fathers. Um, but also just trying to get more support groups out there, more community support groups, more mental health support, more psychological support for men in lots of different areas. So I started to learn from all these people and started to connect with these people more often. Uh, we were in lockdown then, so it sort of offered me more opportunities to spend kind of any spare minute I had really just learning more and doing more. Uh, yeah, just it kind of expanded from there. It gave me lots of opportunities to get involved in all that kind of work. Um, and then I sort of decided to take a step back from all that work. Um, and that's brought me to sort of the last six months to eight months where I'm still doing the dad's page, but I also have my own company now locally, where I'm doing men's mental health, but also kind of everyone's mental health support on a peer level. So we're called Men Talk Links, um, and it's called Men Talk because it was originally derived from the idea that we need to get men talking more, and that's all men of all ages. Um, but basically, we also decided to sort of have that spin of mental Men Talk Links, and just actually really cater for everybody because the messaging is the same; it's just adhered and con- uh, you know, and sort of like kind of promoted in different avenues in different ways you know we, we receive these messages differently to women for example yeah and it's just that's got that's gone crazy too that's growing really fast and i've got you know a board of directors and advisors and you know i've got kind of lots of funds coming in from charities people donating money lots of activities happening locally and we're seeing real change we're seeing i'm seeing actual people you know telling me that this is great and this has really helped them you know what i had a really great testimonial a couple of weeks ago saying they changed i changed their life you know and mm. without sounding disingenuous you know, you see a lot of testimonials like that for different promo- different sort of activities and businesses and charities. You don't really put uh, put sort of much weight behind it. You think, oh, that's great. You know, somebody wrote a testimonial about that. When it's someone you're working with, one-on-one, and I'm sure you've had this as a therapist, you know, when you someone you're working with, one-on-one, and they've said that, it was massive. It was huge for me. Um, You know, I had a little tear up moment. I was Mm. like, wow, you know, that's actually what it's about, you know, because I couldn't, a massive part of what we do is more signposting locally and more more growth of community development and peer groups and stuff. We're just trying to support that rather than do it all. Mm. But when I'm working one-on-one with a client, I guess if you want to call it a client, and see that change and hear him say it, I was just like... (laughs) you know, head blown. So it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm also kind of, I have lots of different hats. So I'm a trustee on a local maternity charity. Um, so we're doing more, um, we're called LAMS, Lincolnshire Area Maternity and Birth Support. Um, so it's myself and a group of midwives, uh, caregivers, people who are doing lots of different things like um, in the in the community anyway. Um, and what we wanted to do was to do the sort of non-standardized support so all the stuff that's built into the NHS is great, but sometimes funding is a little bit hamstrung. So mm. we would like to bring in, we, we basically found that there's a lot of nice people out there who want to give their money to to make things better. So we want to kind of coordinate that. So my arm in that is the marketing arm because that's where I, that's my trade doing marketing and that's what I do for a living. Um, mm. But the second part of it is to ensure that mental health support is out there for men and women and everybody involved with maternity services. Um, because mm. obviously there's great um, mental health support already, but it can always be improved and directed and guided i did and those people who are involved in the services need more of a voice i think so so that's the other thing i do um yeah i'm also kind of a a governor locally as well they call it a governor it's not like a governor like you guys in the state where you like state governor and things like that. It's a little bit different it's a lot lower level um Hmm. but essentially governors are public voices so they are people who sit on boards involved in different areas and they get to have a say on the base of the people kind of almost kind of like counselors i guess or whatever you want to kind of call it in america i'm trying to think of the terminology if you have like kind of a state elected officials and things like that but this is like yeah this is not an election uh, as such this is me put my name forward to speak on behalf like of a, a, a group
0: it's a volunteer but and people yeah. are saying yes this you'll be the voice of our group mm. and you're mm. the point is out as you're the point person yeah. to communicate this to like our needs our yeah. desires are okay
1: so, so yeah, my, my place on that board is the LPFT, which is a partnership trust. So uh, essentially that is all of the different uh, mental health provisions in Lincolnshire they all connect as a uh, as a uh, uh, kind of a professional kind of trust arrangement where they're all kind of you know they all work together to make sure they're delivered the same and as mentor links grew um I put my name forward for this and they were like yeah you need to be on this board so I'm kind of helping drive that official change as well as driving the community-led change so it's it's really great at the moment
0: I'm doing a lot of things <laughs> it's a it's a hat that you decided to to wear and put on it and sounds like there was a void Mm. within mental health, specifically towards men and fathers, yeah. And then you saw this void, said, okay, I want to be a signpost. I want to help connect dads, men with more resources. And you mentioned, you know, the NHS has mental health resources, but not enough. And there's a lot more geared towards women mm-hmm. and mothers, which is always great. I mm-hmm. mean, always nothing wrong with that. However, there was this void of enough for dads and we just need to get dads and men talking. And then so you decided to start something and now yeah. finding real feedback and getting people, like you said, people who have money, who want to help but don't know how yeah right and you've been getting okay here's how we can use these resources to help kind of fill this void and, and yeah. now you're getting really good feedback in the community and so can you like just quickly speak to that of oh yeah this is something that like within our mental health community like there is a void like can you speak a little bit more about that of what men and fathers
1: yeah absolutely I think kind of over the last couple of years it's changed a lot but certainly over the last couple of years, certainly if you rewind about a year a year and a half it's not even that long Um, mm. I think the culture the kind of generalization of of men don't talk we don't have the opportunity to talk and um, we don't have spaces to talk we bottle everything up we are you know emotionally non connected all of that in my community and certainly in the UK that was just the norm and just the thing and that's the way it was and there was no there was no opening to change that really um there was a lot of people trying to change it there's a lot of people talking you know high profile people talking about it you know there's obviously the the prince William sort of uh, kind of involvement with lots of mental health charities things like that but a lot of it is kind of done in the right way for getting the message out there but there's not a lot done with regards to the actual practicalities of it so mm. essentially what i wanted to do and what i am doing uh, I wish I could do more, but I don't have enough time um, is get some skills. So I've done a lot of training. I'm I'm a trained counselor now, and I have different peer uh, support qualifications and more awareness of mental health generally, and use that training alongside my own lived experience to enable others to use their lived experience to connect everybody and work together as kind of kind of peers you know peer support Mm -hmm. that traditional method of peer support and community development and how that looks versus what wasn't there well like you say there is a big void so it's it's something completely new and it it is completely kind of welcomed in that respect there's nothing challenging it because there's nothing already there but Mm -hmm. on top of that it's very supplementary and it joins up really nicely with the fact that a lot of the nhs-led or official kind of systems that are in place have huge waiting lists or are underfunded Mm -hmm. or you know you know a particular participant who so let's take your area you know being a therapist you know in, in in the u.s obviously someone signs up and they pay for a therapist and obviously we can do that here but if there's someone who needs therapy or needs counseling or needs cbt or something like that they will go to their gp their general practitioner their local doctor they will get signed onto a service and that service for certain things in certain areas could be up to a year they're waiting for something and that's just purely down to the fact that the nhs is underfunded for mental health um, and don't we don't have enough staff and we don't have enough things that are out there to access for free and that's the clincher the free part because everybody can access anything privately and pay for it um most people don't have the money to do that And so what I basically am trying to do in lots of different areas with lots of different hats, like you say, is do that Robin Hood element, you know, like who is willing to give me money, what charities are out there that are giving funds away that I can then put back into services so that people don't have to pay for something that they normally Mm. would have to pay for. So a a weird sort of individualized uh, example of that is part of a 12 week self development program that I run in the middle of that self development program for two or three weeks at different points. I give them a break from me and I bring in a professional psychologist to talk on a certain subject and that psychologist will be someone I trust for a start who knows my background, knows why I'm doing it, but also knows what will hit home with local men basically because they're very local and they're very understanding of the situation in the community. And they deliver something and it just gives that credo of this is someone who is a professional who I would normally not get access to unless I paid for their services and I would normally not get access to without waiting a long time until i do get it and by then things could have changed god forbid you know things could have changed for the worse and that's probably why there's a lot of kind of that suicide stats that people throw around quite a lot in men is that they can't access the support they need Um, It's as simple as that. So I'm hoping to sort of make big changes in the area with that. And what we hope to to do long-term, five, ten years down the line, is counties in the UK that are doing similar things, great. But there are some counties in the UK who are doing nothing like this. And I'd like to take the model and kind of go, here's a ready-made model that works. Now you implement it in your county kind of thing. And I think at that stage, hopefully, there's enough money that will be going through it. It's a non-profit, but there'll be enough money going through it that somebody else can take it on for me and I can take a step back and, and just see it working, you know? So.
0: Yeah, I definitely hear your heart and passion in that, John. And mm. it's interesting when you you know you talk about the free services as well as the paid for services. And we have, at least in my experience within California, we kind of have that too, where um, people have insurance, like medical insurance, and some depending on the insurance provider. Which do you have different insurance providers? You guys we pay do, for? or Is it yeah, kind of a national thing?
1: It's na- the national well, the national health service NHS is pretty much everybody can access that. But we do have private services and insurances okay. as well. So we have private. There's Bupa is a big one, for example, Bupa. Um, and people can pay insurance so that they can get immediate private services so this can be like anything physical mental whatever they can get access to it straight away you know a big big operation for example if you need something done straight away you may still have to wait on the nhs um so yeah it's just one of those situations where you can pay for that yeah
0: okay okay so we kind of it's kind of like that although it sounds like i I think nhs is a little we don't have really well we kind of do a little bit like medicare for all i guess Mm. would be closest but it's not even close from what i understand with how the nhs works um or the obamacare that yeah that came out for us in the States, which is still not the same. No. So we have insurers, specifically our mental health, where people have different plans and some plans, some insurance providers will provide in their insurance, um, they call it in-network, right. and certain therapists can then sign up and be on a panel, it's called, to then be in-network to then take that insurance money um, and... So we have that and then we also have some other programs that provide more mental health and that, that's, it's crazy to hear that for people who need it, who, have, who maybe are on the NHS plan, who might need therapy, may have to wait up to a year, mm. but you're right, often someone's asking for help now, you know, if they're depressed, for example, as a classic example, if they're depressed, if they yeah. have a major depressive disorder or if they're in a major depressive episode, mm. a year is a long time to yeah, wait and typically yeah. in that case you're going to get worse yeah um and sometimes people don't they naturally get through it and they it's like a season they kind of come out but that's a that's a long that could be very dangerous um, yeah and
1: there's, there's, in our local area and i think across the uk actually there's crisis teams so okay. you know if there is a suicidal moment or you deem to be at that level of kind yeah. of um needing that immediate support there are crisis teams that are on that are able to come and see you that are trained in that area they're able to talk to you over the phone all of these teams and processes, um, in my eyes, and from my experience, and certainly from feedback that I spoke to in our local community, at least, um, first of all, the the thresholds are quite. There's a quite a big mix and quite a big sort of disparity. So you know, like you say, you can be depressed and essentially you, you're treated here when really mm-hmm. you could be treated here. You, it's just all about knowing more about this, but they don't spend enough time knowing about this. So you know, it can basically mean that you go straight away to that level. And it's too late, kind of thing. Or also that people are rejected from the crisis teams because they're deemed to be not of a level of needing that support. Yeah. um, When they think they are, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and for whatever reason, they don't tick a box that's right, you know? And unfortunately, we see a lot of, I guess, kind of like negative perceptions of this because it just plays out in the negative you know way basically unfortunately mm-hmm. and there's some really great resources out here you know i'm not the only one doing it we have some really great stuff in the local area and i just try and bring them all together just so that everybody knows there's one stop you know one stop mm-hmm. my, my website which is about to launch will have like this filterable area that's so simple to see because obviously the generalization is men need it in two short sentences. What they're going to find next kind of thing, you know, rather than getting lost in a website, which, you know, it's a horrible sweeping generalization, but it's true. There's science there to say that men will switch mm-hmm. off from getting support unless they're told immediately what they need. You know, I've been there. Geez, I'm was i literally an example of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be sort of easy to access, and they can click on it and go and get that support straight away. And look, if there isn't the right thing out there, you know, we, we want we want to hear from people to say, look, I couldn't find what I was wanting in your service, um, and we will address that, you know, as much as we can. So, yeah, that's mm. where I'm at, really.
0: And that, that's something that I think we need more of here in the States, like a, a program like that. And I think some some people are starting things, but it's, it's tough, you know, mm. trying to get funding. and. Tell me about um, it. We have some, we have, I work for, you know, I, I work in both the private and the insured, you know, sectors for mental health. Obviously, in private, people can afford that fee, and that's great. And it's different, kind of sometimes a different clientele um, coming in. And, and as far as severity goes, and then I also work in the more severe people who can not have more severe struggles with mental illness and seeing they need help. And then there's sometimes that disparity between the two people who maybe have more milder symptoms, right, mm. who aren't bad enough yet, mm. which is sad to say, mm. Um, at least within my the when I work with the insured, they call it something called medical necessity. So it's a very medical model. Like mm. I can see why they do it um, that way. On one hand, that mm. okay, we we need to serve the people who have who really need it, like yeah. in that severe, more moderate to severe, where they really are struggling. like they can't go to work, you know, they can't function. They they can't go to school. Like it's yeah. affecting their whole life. Like that's what we're trying to serve, and I can see hey, we need to prioritize them. But then Mm -hmm. there's also the people who aren't, who have mild who can develop into that, but they're not there yet. So it's... That's, I think, the, that's the eternal battle,
1: isn't it? It's kind of like, especially for me, you know, I, I'm kind of trying to hit so many different audiences and serve so many different people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got a schools project. We're trying to get more preventative so that we basically teach people more about what's going on. So right. what I try and do in my posts and my content for mentor links is really sort of um, kind of trying to get straight to the heart, straight to the brain of people and get them thinking. Because if people can understand things and be more aware of what's going on anyway... You know really kind of basic stuff but actually more kind of relatable rather than just you know like you say medically or, or kind of like a, where it's a disconnected sort of terminology people can mm-hmm. understand it from a real person who's been through certain things um then they'll connect to it they'll probably learn mm-hmm. more they'll probably find out more and if they are in that mild bracket then they'll know where to access and what to mm-hmm. do potentially or even just self-help you know within that sort of area so
0: yeah hopefully it, we can
1: get in that way
0: yeah and i think the education is is key and and some of those milder people who are in some some of that milder category can get get self-help i mean they really yeah. can but this it's, it's that education piece and so you know with the people who are in a moderate severe in that industry i work in I, I can understand why we do it again because of it's the supply and demand and i think some people they do get frustrated i can see their frustration mm. i haven't heard of anyone having to wait a year here that that's atrocious to me but mm. that that I can't even imagine um, someone who's really needing it and waiting a year because it's, they're so understaffed. And but we have a similar problem too, where you know I work for a pretty big HMO, and you know the wait times are big because the supply and the demand—the demand, the demand yeah. of needing therapy, but the supply of therapists—and mm. so it creates this, you know, <laughs> yeah, this just funnel. And it's not a year, thankfully, but you know people can wait up to a couple, you know, a couple weeks to get an appointment, and then sometimes a follow up after the very first kind of assessment session. Mm. Sometimes it can be a month, you yeah. know, quite- two months, and so it's kind of a unless they're severe, and then we're kind of getting them in and and doing yeah. more of at least in the medical model, and so it's kind of a hard. It is hard because there's this against. The, the, the supply of therapists and the demand for the need is it doesn't match and so we're at least in that world i've found we're trying to we're doing our best to try and serve but also knowing that there's a mountain coming at us and we're you know a small crew trying to to deal with this whole thing coming our way and yeah um, and that's, so that's it, the worst it, part that's tough, the worst yeah. part
1: i think you've really got I, i've 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 learned ways to detach a little bit and i have to detach you know from a personal perspective because mm-hmm. you know if i could i would do it all right now but you really have to walk before you can run, and just help who you can and, and mm. what you can, and, and try not to dwell too much on the the factors we spoke about. You know the the disparities, the the tick box exercises, the official nature of lack of funding, and all that kind of thing. It's like you know this is why I did it in the community, and this is why I step back from doing national fathers mental health support and all that kind of thing. Because if you step back and you work together, you know one person who's a neighbour to another person, you you see change straight away. You don't need someone to tell you what you're doing. You know mm. I. I set this up as a community interest company which is a limited company basically here in the uk and we're not a charity we're not bound by a commission and we can take charitable funds which is great and we're a non-profit which is even better but we don't get told what we do i decide what we do um what what's great about that is you know we can do whatever um we want and essentially what i want to do is empower people to help each other Mm. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to be the God, the Messiah to this in our local area. I want to be known for bringing people together. Um, Mm. and And that's not an ego thing. Like I want people to know my name so that I can connect them to someone else. That's what I want to know. And and I've already had that. I've had people come to me go, going, you know, you're the guy from Mental Links. Can you point me in the direction of someone who has severe OCD? Mm. And I did. I facilitated a coffee chat between two guys who had bad OCD, you know, yeah. and that's just so rewarding. And and that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about.
0: I think we need more of that here. And, I, and I'm sure there is. I just don't know them all. I mean, but yeah. I, I don't think there's a lot of that going on here with, and that is really where people can get helped is that relational piece of, hey, someone else is struggling. You know, here you go. Here's mm. a relationship. We have something called, you know, NAMI, right? National um, Association of Mental Illness, right? It's mm. a there's a website. And is NAMI over there in the UK, or is that the only yeah. US thing? I, I think don't it's
1: know. the um, B mi or some bm something or that's british sort of side of things but yeah i know what you mean okay yeah.
0: yeah so we have that and people often a lot of people don't know about that but they have groups too for different such an array of mental illnesses mm. for families like to support to the actual person and so we do have that but it's just i don't know it's it's i think some sometimes it's it's an access thing of it's this online thing it's not local i mean it can be but it, sometimes it could feel so disconnected yeah um versus oh there's a there's a face because it is it's a it's a you know it's a company it's a, it's they do a lot Lot of great work, but it is kind of like not personal, at least in the beginning. So you can feel like this, this leap to then jump into this, yeah. oh, I'm going to go to a group and, mm. you know, this thing on this website and they do this and, you know, I'm kind <laughs> of nervous versus I think what you're doing, which again, we could use more of is that relational connecting of there's a yeah. face, this is the community and it's within your little community where people get you know it's like oh we know each other and we can support each other in this and learn from each other and also get the help if I need you know take a class or education or see a therapist or practitioner and then get better yeah that's such a wonderful thing that you guys are doing over there and and, uh, you you know we could definitely learn a thing or two over here to 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 bolster kind of our community and what we have going on
1: yeah, I guess I guess what I realized when I was going through my journey personally, and also when I started the Instagram, actually, was that the power of relatability is huge. Um, mm. You know, during my my own mental health journey, the biggest changes that I managed to make was when I related to the counselor I had, the therapist I had, or the people who I was speaking to, because that is that is so powerful. And I and I kind of could never really put my finger on why. I think it was more a case of you don't feel alone. Um, As simple as that sounds, it's not simple, Um, especially when you're in your mindset and you think you're alone. It's natural to think you're alone. And then, yeah, just taking it into the Instagram side of things, I knew that it would do something but i didn't realize how powerful it would be when it was a man behind this account you know talking mm-hmm. about being a dad yeah and it's just yeah you're right the relatability side of it is the reason why i want to do this um you know we want everybody to just be able to relate to each other you know i'm not going to be able to help you know person x person y cuz i can't relate to them but i can put them in the position of meeting someone who can you know so mm. that's what it's about
0: i love that you're right it's so you could you are kind of that signpost right that you yeah. said you're the you're the connector mm-hmm. um And you're seeing, okay, I can't relate to them, but these people can, and they don't know each other. They don't know. Mm -hmm. And if I just do this, they can now help each other way better than maybe I could reach them. And that's, I mean, you have obviously that vision. It sounds like the capacity to see and and the heart as well, the vision and the heart and the personal experience to see, okay, yeah, that not being alone is a key thing. And that is such a, that's the one thing I get when I was running men's therapy groups, or really any therapy groups too. I ran men's groups and also just kind of mixed groups, but one Common theme that anyone attended one of my groups would say is, "Yeah, I don't feel alone." You know, yeah. it's that that's, and it's it seems small and simple, mm-hmm. and it kind of is that it's simple but extremely powerful yeah. and life changing because it just takes this whole weight off of like, yeah. okay, I'm not the only one. There's people here that can relate, and it kind of just like you can kind of breathe. And when people feel that, they then start to connect, and then even even just not being alone and knowing that a lot of people found significant relief
1: mm-hmm.
0: of their symptoms of their emotional weight and heaviness yeah. because of that. And it really can be very freeing just to, just to talk about it and to have someone say, Oh yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Like I understand I've been there or mm-hmm. I'm in there right now. And mm-hmm. that just is just like this relief of people feeling seen, yeah. heard, you know, validated in their experience Mm. um and and yeah that that so i wanted to for sure s- just kind of second that of that is such a key component yeah and so it's massive yeah yeah it really is and mm. and uh it's definitely something i get all the time when, mm. when people are in groups so to shift a bit i'm wondering as you mentioned earlier you said my mental health journey could you mm. speak a little bit about that and Sure. And, uh, yeah, on that one.
1: so I, 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 it's a funny story because when I explain my story, I have to kind of, uh, go back to the start of my journey, but then also kind of recognize that the majority of what I've learned in the last seven or eight years since I started my mental health journey has been 30 years of effects, you know, 30 years of whatever's been going on that I've only just realized over the last seven or eight years that has been happening. So it's a little bit tricky to understand. It's not as simple as point a took me to point B kind of thing. Um, basically yeah about seven or eight years ago so maybe just late 20s I was having uh, a lot of migraines and physical health problems and I had a cardiac arrest at work due to stress um, Mm. which everybody was a bit shocked at and I was given the all clear and my heart wasn't damaged it was just completely out of the blue Um, and I um, it gave me a sort of a kick up the bum to sort of realize that I needed to sort of have a look at my health a little bit Um, I wasn't completely unhealthy I was very average I guess Um, but it, it took me to the doctors to ask about my migraines that were quite severe. And I used to think that migraines were hereditary. Um, and my doctor sort of turned around and said, migraines aren't hereditary. There's, there's, there's head illnesses that are hereditary, but, you know, there's common headaches and migraines. They're not hereditary. They're down to culture and your, your sort of diet and, and things like that. And, and I sort of said, okay, well, that's sort of already sort of flummoxed me and given me sort of quite a lot of confusion. And um, what's wrong with my head then? So he was like wanting to prescribe me antidepressants because he thought that my frontal lobe was firing and the synapses were going crazy and it was all to do with stress, et cetera. and by this point, my brother and my mom had been through severe men- mental health problems the majority of their life. Um, and I'd kind of been around them, obviously, and been uh, involved in their lives. And I'd not really believed in mental health. I kind of always thought that they were, uh, this is going to sound quite horrible, um, but I don't mean it horribly, but they were always quite sort of just just uh, negative people and hmm. you know, just over worrying, uh, things like that. Um I later found out that their mental health problems were due to their own personal traumas. And I uh, later found out that a lot of it had developed into uh, narcissistic tendencies and narcissistic ab- abusive tendencies outwardly. Um, so uh, at this point, I was kind of like, I don't believe in it all. don't think it exists. It can't be antidepressants. I don't want to take them because they'll change the way I am and all that kind of thing. So... I tried it because migraines got too bad and I didn't like how they made me feel. So I stopped taking them and the doctor said, go and see a counselor, we'll put you on a waiting list for a counselor. So this kind of links to what we were saying earlier Um, because I then waited another sort of, at the time it was like a three month wait. So the the waiting lists are a lot longer now than they used to be. but it was about a three-month wait for counselling and I didn't really want to go by the time the three months came over because I was like my migraines were subsiding a little bit and I was going through a better time in my life um, but I thought I'll go anyway you know I've got these appointments now so I nervously went along and You know, our first few sessions I didn't really enjoy, didn't really open up at all, and then somehow the counsellor got through to me like they're supposed to, um, and the doors opened and the floodgates opened of kind of just everything that I'd bottled up over the last however many years. And what I realised at the start of that journey was that I compartmentalised a lot of my life and I'd literally mm. boxed it all away and locked it all away. What I realized fast fast forward in a couple of years and two or three years is that my mental health journey then went on a bit of a roller coaster as I started to learn more about myself, you know, massive lows, massive highs, uh, started to try and reconnect with my emotional spectrum, essentially, because I realized I had no emotions. I realized I'd boxed boxed away my emotions. And, and that was a defense mechanism from lots of things that had happened to me in my past. And, you know, I'd, I'd essentially had a lot of situations and 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 days in my life where I'd had the joy taken out of them by other people and I just decided to defend myself by not feeling joy and not being able to feel it and the same the other way you know somebody died or somebody had cancer you know I wouldn't feel any sadness I wouldn't feel Mm -hmm. any negativity I'd just go into like operational mode I need to support this person I need to help this person no emotion like people would Mm -hmm. say you're so strong you're such a strong individual no I wasn't strong I was weak I was completely Mm -hmm. weak I cut myself off to that ability to be strong, um, which I know now. Um and essentially yeah the sort of culmination of that I'm still, a, I'm still I'm still working on myself I'm still very much a work in progress of course but I've learned so much more about myself I'm more connected to my emotions I'm more present in the day I've learned a lot about my problems and issues that I've had over the years and I've learned that they've stemmed from a lot of um, kind of emotional abuse that I've had from different family members over the years where I've been sort of taken for a ride and um, been kind of controlled a lot um, and quite severely in some instances they'd had too much control over my life in in certain different areas so my mum for example my mother she was um abused as a child and um that that was quite daunt like quite sort of hard on her and um, and through our childhood she was a great mother and i'll never take that away from her and um, but as it sort of transpired when my mum and dad split up and my dad moved away my mum capitulated she completely collapsed into this kind of trauma-led kind of um kind of shell of herself Um, and almost like she just reconnected with what she was really, what was really going on underneath. But that kind of morphed into this kind of narcissistic victim persona. Um, And essentially all of us kind of knew it um, and we all circled around and tried to support it. Um, And every single one of us got to a point where we just couldn't support it anymore. Um, And so now we all keep, we all, well, I guess, I don't know what the other people are doing now, my brother and sister and stuff, but what I decided was I'll keep her at arm's length Mm. um, and then arm's length become too close because I had my daughter my priorities changed and at the same time she was trying to control my life with my daughter in my life which was quite a a fracture situation nonetheless Mm. so um, I really had to take action to it's harsh to say it this way because I didn't actually do it this way but it just transpired that I cut her out of my life and she cut me out of my life and you know since though since that's happened so over the last couple of years a lot of soul searching a lot of thinking about it reflecting has made me realize that essentially my mother is has been the catalyst to 30 years of of pain that i've been going through um mm. you know it's not always been her direct fault but the relationship that we had was toxic and it was hard on, on me and probably hard on her as well but essentially you've got to look after yourself first and i think that you know it's 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 a lot of stuff to unpick and unravel and a lot of stuff to try and change and i still have moments where i slip back into that way of what it used to be and you know that non-connected non-emotional uh, angry person, aggressive person at times that, you know, uh, snappy, uh, highly strung, you know, I, I, I I used to be very, I used to be a walking contradiction. And, you know, I used to be so relaxed all the time to people that people would just think I was really chilled. But mm. then people who know me would think that I w- would know that I'm panicking about everything and anxious about everything. And then in truth, underneath it all, I'm neither of them. Like I'm something completely different that was just hiding away. It's just masks. It was masks and sort of like whatever it was, personas that mm. I was putting on for people, Um mm. So yeah, the start of my journey kind of realized that I'd been living a lie for however long. So 15, 20 years of my adult life, I was living a lie. And I just decided to reclaim that, um, which yeah. which has been a big journey. But yeah, that's the kind of potted cliff notes. <laughs> yeah.
0: To hear that even the cliff note version of the story it, it still holds tremendous power. Understanding t- more about trauma and saying, okay, my mom is a byproduct of her trauma. And then in a way, whether it was intentional or not, I experienced significant amount of kind of emotional trauma and disconnect. Yeah. And then yeah. coming to a point later, and this will probably be the next thing I want to hear about, is that you you did your own work, got mm. more connected with your emotions, and realized I actually really wasn't strong. I was weak. I was terrified of emotions, but it was mm. a way of coping. It was a way of survival. Yeah. That's how I survived, is just to kind of shut that part out, you know, compartmentalize and just mm. just keep functioning and which is a lot of the stories of a lot of men, um, right, is that shut it down and just do things and yeah. get things done and, and be a worker and and keep trucking along keep mm. keep soldiering on whatever analogy you want to use and but then all the while there's like this kind of dead this kind of pressure building yeah right and weight building that eventually comes out yeah and eventually finds its way out sometimes you know and, and it could range <laughs> from having a panic attack to yeah Maybe possibly migraines, maybe we're linked to it and our bodies react. And and then coming to a point after doing your own journey, realizing, okay, I need to make some changes and realizing even relationship with my mother, I might need to kind of change that dynamic and understand Mm. that I might still love and care for her. And I also might need to change the nature of the relationship due to its current level of health slash unhealth. And it sounds like what changed that is I'm now a father. Yeah, I now have a child. Mm. And so that shifted for you. Okay, I have a I have a child now, and mm. I've done a lot of my own work, and I'm seeing there's this dynamic that I'm not okay with, yeah. and I want to maybe. It sounds like that's what was the change for you. Of you know, there's something here that I I want to protect and yeah. keep safe. Is that kind of what that was? was
1: yeah, it, it certainly ramped it up so um, essentially I was probably making positive strides already with my mom and and making sort of positive strides with my family but they were taking a while it was it was hard to get through to them it was hard to make decisions it was hard to uh, I guess it was hard to um, control my feelings on the whole situation and I say control lightly there because it isn't about control it's about allowance of your feelings and um, and not let the narcissist win by fighting fire with fire you know it was that was quite a hard thing for me to do generally and I would slip backwards and Forwards to doing it one minute i'd have a massive argument the next minute i'd be like i need to compose myself and i was aware of it um and i think yeah having my daughter was like yeah that's it now like i'm no longer i don't have any fire for you anymore to fight you so uh my fire needs to go towards keeping this baby alive and fighting for her and being hmm. as great as i can for her and all of my energy needs to go to that you don't get that anymore so You have an option you can be part of my life understanding that and understanding that my fire is for her and i can still connect with you and i can still be in a relationship with you on my terms and in a way that serves me and you um or um you can continue wanting it your way and all towards you and i am not part of that anymore um, and mm. essentially, that's what happened the latter, unfortunately. Um, mm. And I don't blame my mum for any of it. Just going back to what you said about, you know, the the sort of byproduct of um, of trauma and stuff. Like, I understand that to a point. And I've spoken to family members about this. I understand that in a way, it's not her fault. In a way, none of it is her fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't justify anything, any of her actions. It doesn't allow them to be acceptable. Mm. Um, and that's not that she should be punished for it. It's that she should understand or I would want her to understand the implications of her actions to a point of the pain that's caused mm. and her ability or lack of ability to be able to do that was mm. the major thing. So yeah. um, we weren't going to progress until she ever does that. And I don't think she ever will. You know, she's in her mm. 60s and it's hard to change. You know, an old dog can't learn new tricks. And, you know, it's um, it's, it's it's a difficult one. I think with regards to that, you know, um, I could wax lyrical for ages, but um, the only Um, hard part of it is feeling like you don't have a mother anymore like that's the only part hard part of it and I Mm. say that I say that lightly and it's not a light thing because it comes out every now and then and I get a pang of feeling like I don't have a family and all that kind of thing and it's sad but it's sad Mm. for it's sad for the thing it's not Mm. sad for the people because I've done the right thing it's the best decision I ever made in a sense Mm -hmm. Um, and I you know I don't say that lightly it's Mm. just that the whole kind of like dynamic missing is mm. is worrying i mean my daughter's getting to an age now where she's asking more questions and she asked last night she sort of said you know um, i can't remember what she exactly said but she said you know something about like where did daddy come from you know compared to like where did Mummy come from because obviously Mummy mm. came from grandma and grandy because my mm-hmm. wife's uh, dad's called andy so it's grandy um mm. <laughs> uh and where did daddy come from and i kind of just skirted over it and i went mars you know another planet kind of thing and just made a joke around it Mm. but in my head i'm thinking i'm gonna have to have this conversation soon like she has my she has my dad she has her granddad and we call Mm. my uh stepmom grandma sharon um but um i'm gonna have to explain to her that she doesn't have a traditional grandma and you know stuff like that in the future and that's that's kind of the only hard thing um because i've definitely it's definitely a if you're going to weigh up pros and cons and be practical about it, there's a lot more pros to this situation. So,
0: Yeah, and I think what I'm hearing is it sounds an awful lot like you're in a grieving period, grieving the mm. loss of the mother that you maybe needed or wanted and, and also the acceptance of who she currently is, like mm. knowing this is the reality in which we live, that acceptance, not that like I always think of the term of radical acceptance, right? It's not that you like the situation but it's more of an acknowledgement of the current reality saying okay yes i love my mother and i can understand her story of maybe why she is the way she is due to her trauma and due to her upbringing and her behaviors However, comma, it does not justify and say that her certain behaviors are inappropriate or damaging or hurtful. Mm. So it's that, it's that tension of holding. I'm hearing of I could acknowledge this reality, acknowledge that there's some hurt, say, yes, I can understand this and knowing how trauma can affect people. And I could also have healthy boundaries saying, but it doesn't mean I'm just going to let her to continue to be unhealthy to me, yeah. to my daughter, yeah. Um because that's not healthy that creates right. more trauma more pain and so it's that hard decision of saying i need to change this um and and give her an option this kind of boundary of we can do this or this and mm. i'm not gonna be mad at you mm. right because mm. i'm I, it sounds like you've gone through a journey of maybe having that anger but now coming full circle and oh, maybe yeah. you haven't but of like more of an empathy and understanding yeah and and then grieving that now saying yes this is the best thing and it is still sad it's sad because yeah. this is not what i wanted as a kid of course i if I were to ask you, would you want to have an awesome relationship with your mom and her to be there and be supportive? You'd probably say a hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah.
1: yeah, (laughs) Because
0: of course we we want that. We want, we want relationship. It's it's built into us. It's natural. We want to be close. We're Mm. wired that way. Mm. And then realizing, oh man, I don't get that. That is that grieving period of, and, and every time. And that's the thing with grief too. It's a, it's often a, an ongoing process yeah. it's i don't know if it's yeah. ever fully completed we, yeah. we get
1: i think i'm set up know. for that never-ending grief with this um yeah. i'm set up for that and i'm fine with that to a point mm-hmm. um you know i just think there's going to be hard times along the way but again i weigh up and i mm-hmm. say look if she was here and i was fighting for this relationship there'd be hard times every day every week so mm-hmm. it, in a way i've defended myself okay Mm. I'm used to defending myself across my whole life in a different way I feel Mm -hmm. like this is the first time I've made a big defensive decision that's healthy and I'm justifying that because of my daughter and it's been a fantastic catalyst and my wife she's a fantastic um influence sounding board um Mm -hmm. she doesn't know it she's she's completely innocent to to this kind of thing um but I guess our relationship's so great that we connect so well that she can um essentially kind of simplify things for me so easily um so yeah it's just yeah that's 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 the kind of my story uh, like i say cliff note version of my story I, I more than happily talk more about it but
0: yeah this yeah. is a dad
1: podcast it's, <laughs> so, this is a dad yeah. podcast yeah <laughs> dad
0: well it's a dad plus mental health right? Yeah, it's both no, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, i appreciate that you know, that vulnerability and sharing a bit of your, you know, giving light to that component of being a dad, of being a man, of saying, okay, this is something that did affect me, that, you know, that I made a decision to look at myself, look inward, and I'm here now because of it. Mm. And also now having a, being a dad, Mm. beginning to raise a child, it's having me see things differently than Prior to doing this journey, I've gone that yeah. if anything, that sounds like that journey has really gotten to a place of seeing, okay, the necessity for taking care of yourself to understanding yourself, and how impactful we are and can be to our children for better or for worse, Yeah, that I don't want to replicate maybe some of the stuff that was Cause to me, and trying to change that narrative, right? Mm, That's what I'm hearing is okay. I want to make sure that I can raise my daughter in a way that I could, of course, not going to be perfect. No one is. But if I can eliminate some of those significant traumas and learn and grow from the past, I can really do a much better, more healthier job. So then when she's an adult, we have a relationship. And I'm not acting out of a narcissistic defense due to my own trauma but i'm actually more fully healed yeah i'm more fully connected to yeah. myself mom you know mind body soul mm. or whatever you want to say and then i'm teaching that to my daughter yeah yeah 100 um yeah. that's it thanks for joining and listening today please leave a comment and review the show dads are tough but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone